Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mid Carters Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, C. Bloom. It's the champ, C. Wilt. And it's T-Boat. And we are here to bring you another exciting episode full of wrestling news. But before we get into the show, we're going to kick it off like we always do with our internet headline of the week. C. Wilt, give us that headline. It is coming from Twitter at, at WrestleMania. What's the worst finisher on the WWE roster today? And I'm not going to lie to y'all. I have a few that I could list. I, but uh, what's on y'all's? Uh, you know, you know what? I went down the roster a few times. <laughs> I looked when it came to everybody on the current roster. Now, this person, you might say they're not on the current roster, but WWE's website does have them listed as an active member of the roster. So I thought it would be a shame if I did not take this moment to let the mid Carter's audience in on one of the longest jokes between us in that John Cena. <laughs> has the worst finisher in the WWE right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I didn't think he was going to – I should know you, Bill. The attitude adjustment, it just wouldn't put anybody down for three. But that's just me. That's mine. That's my pick. Uh, I tried to stay close to like, – I thought he would be part-time. I didn't even check the uh, WWE website. I just have three. I don't like the actual – I like the people. You just have to finish it. Rolling Stunner. Um, I just – I like Grayson mm-hmm. Waller. Didn't like the move. Rolling German suplex. Love Chad Gable. I just don't think a German suplex should yeah. be your finisher. And Bailey to Bailey. We you don't have to. I mean, it's a, it's a Bailey to Bailey with Bailey's name on it. So <laughs> I thought about uh, Bailey to Bailey. The only reason I didn't include it, I didn't know if she even did it anymore. But yeah, I, I hate that one too. Well, I, I'm glad you because uh, I guess I, I misread the the question, but I'm glad you said it current stars because I had a few options. But that lip that uh, really um, whittles it down. So I'm going to go with, I do have, I guess in that case, I still do have an honorable mention. But um, I'm going to have to go with the player's boot, or some people call it the halupa kit. Because um, I, I thought we were doing MVP, but also uh, one of the one of the tag team champions has that move. I just think it uh-huh. sucks. I mean, it's. It's so much prep that has to go into it to even do the move. And unlike any other move that has, like, the rise up where the person, like, gets up and turns around and they get hit, the guy literally just has to stay in the corner and just wait to get kicked. Like, he can't just move. You know, I feel like it's a bit too circumstantial. So I have to go with that one. I feel you on that for a finisher. It feels more like a signature. Yeah, for sure. To set up into a finisher. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Well... That's our internet headline of the week. Bad finishers. Get them out of here. Uh, (laughs) As we roll into current events in wrestling news, we're going to try something a little different. We're going to hit a few points from Raw. We're going to hit a few points from SmackDown, and we're going to see how it rolls. Uh, First off, I figured we should kick it off with a little bit of Judgment Day Corner. Judgment Day runs Monday Night Raw. So just to briefly discuss where everybody in Judgment Day is, right now we got Rhea and Raquel. The rivalry continues to heat up. The match seems to be coming pretty soon, probably at payback. Uh, And then Balor and Priest, they're still in disarray. Basically, they're having like a couple's argument at this point. Uh, We brought J.D. McDonough back in the fray, which was interesting. He was backstage with Finn this week, and they were like, get out of here. You're not Judgment Day. And he was like, he's with me. So, anyway, they kind of just continue to to, to build on the things that they have been. But how are we feeling about the Judgment Day right now? Um, I I like that Rhea has like an actual feud right now. You know, that's one of like – Sometimes the biggest complaint about her whole run is that she hasn't really feuded with many of the women. Um, but I'm glad she got an actual feud. I like I like the indie in Candice LeRae input a little bit. I'm glad they get some type of uh, show this on Raw this week. And um, oh, we didn't mention Dom. Did you mention what Dom's doing? No, he did not. Sorry, Dom. I like obviously I like what Dom's doing. North American champ. He's killing it. I like it all. I like J.D. McGonagall. I'm glad he's in some more short time, so I have no complaints. I just like it all. Uh, this all sounds good. I literally did not watch Raw at all, so I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But I think I've been pretty on record saying that I hate this J.D. Madonna thing. I just think it's so stupid and pointless. But 
I have not seen any of it. So I cannot have a correct opinion on it. Okay. I did not know this. Would you like us not to talk about Raw so you're not spoiled on Raw? No, go ahead. It's cool. Okay. Um, well, next up on Raw, then, we had our World Heavyweight Championship competition, or our World Heavyweight Championship feud began, basically, in which we had a heel turn from Shinsuke Nakamura, who has taken out, laid out flat Seth Rollins. So we're going to get started with this Shinsuke and Seth Rollins feud. So you guys excited for this feud? Are we lukewarm on this feud? Where are we at with it? I like the way they did it. Um, I did not expect it. Um, and Taji, since you didn't watch, to give you like context, uh, he filled in. It was a three-man, ta- a six-man tag. Him, Cody, Seth, Cody, and Shinsuke versus the Judgment Day because uh, Sami Zayn couldn't compete. He got hurt, and um, and then they're, they're celebrating. They're all standing on the corners, and then uh, Shinsuke just gets off his corner, and Seth gets off his corner, and he can. What's it called? Kinshasa? I'm probably not saying it correctly. But he hits uh-huh. him with his finisher. And just smoothly walks out the ring, and when Cody didn't get off, they're looking like, "Wait, what the world?" I just thought it was like a smooth creative ending. Did not see it coming. Interesting. Now this sounds cool. It gave him something to do because I know he hasn't been. They've been kind of trying to build him up on um, these past couple months. That seems interesting. Um, also that Cody and Seth were even teaming together, so that, that seemed that all interesting too. They were like arguing all night, so that that was kind of like we, we were thinking that maybe Seth Cody is next. They, like they were teasing it kind of throughout the night all night, just to kind of hit him with the uh, with the Seth Shinsuke. He did beat Bronson Reed, I think, that day as well. So yeah, I guess he got some momentum. I thought it was pretty smart the way they they definitely threw threw us for a loop. I mean, I, I kind of saw the Shinsuke turn coming. Like it seemed weird that he was in there in the first place. Like kind of came out of nowhere, but. They did do a great job kind of trying to throw us for a loop by really making it seem like Seth and Cody were going to be the two. They had tension all night. They argued backstage and then ended up being Shinsuke. I'm definitely excited for it. I did not yeah. expect it to happen. If you gave me 10 guesses on who his next feud would be, I wasn't going to guess Shinsuke. But now that it's happening, I'm into it. So, uh, With that said, another thing from Raw that I do want to briefly mention here uh, is the fire segment between The Miz and L.A. Knight oh, as they yeah. kick off seemingly their feud as L.A. Knight threw shots yeah. at him again on SmackDown. So it seems like the feud is going to happen, but they're back and forth on Monday Night Raw. It was incredible. Any thoughts on Miz versus L.A. Knight as a feud, as a segment, anything you want to say? This is money, and this is his first actual feud, I feel like, outside of Hit Row, I don't count that, since Bray Wyatt, I think, if I'm saying this correctly. This is money. This is a put. Like, this is the beginning of the LA Knight push. You get your first real feud with The Miz, who, let's be real, future Hall of Famer, a guy who you can trust. Like, he's he's a guy. You know what I'm saying? He may not be the world champion right now or anything, but he's a guy, and The Miz ain't out here just, like, feuding with it. I mean, I know he had Dexter numbers at some point, but I count The Miz as one of those guys who is well-respected. He's earned where he's gotten to. And for LA Knight and him to, to get this feud, it actually makes sense. I love their styles kind of competing with each other. The promo should be good. The match should be pretty good for itself. I'm hyped for this. This seems really cool. Um, obviously, it's the first time I'm hearing it, but, I mean, both of them seem like they would clash very well. Like you said, Miz is Miz is a top guy. He's been in the company for probably almost 15 years, if not 15 years yet. So, I mean, he's proven, and he's always on top of his game. They both seem cut from a similar cloth um, character-wise, um, also as performers, in a sense. So I imagine that um, one, that segment was excellent, but two, their rivalry, wherever that's going to go, is going to be, if anything, entertaining. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely game for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I just think, at least the segment we saw on Monday, it really pushed both of them past what they've been comfortable doing like for a while now. Hmm. To be honest, it wasn't at the level of talking smack promo from The Miz, but it it got him in that bag once again. I feel like we saw that fire under Miz, which we haven't seen for a long time. And therefore, because of that, he pushed L.A. Knight. And L.A. Knight Mm -hmm. had to really fight to, to, you know, win that promo or stay in that promo. To be honest, I think Miz won it. But, I mean, it it was great either way. But the point is, they pushed each other to become better and and rise to their best selves, which is a win-win, win-win-win. 
Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm, yeah, I can even think of um, why they would be so passionate. So this is intriguing. Very intriguing. You, gotta, you need to watch it, Taji. And I'm yeah. glad you said that, Kobe. I think Miz won it as well. But I'm glad this is LA Knight taking a step into the this more serious promo type of bag. And not, I mean, obviously, he can be funny and roast and stuff. Okay. But I, I'm glad we're going to see this side as well to see his uh, more uh, versatility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all great. I can't wait to see what they do with that. Um, then a couple more things rapid fire from Raw. We got Gable and Gunther. It looks like um, mm. we're going to see for the IC title. Chad Gable gets the big win, and I guess it was a table oh. way to nice. get a shot at Gunther. Uh, his kid was there. They were in his, his hometown, I believe, Minnesota. Mm. Uh, so it was a big moment for Chad Gable, and he's going to get that program with Gunther. So, um, I mean, I'm super excited. That's pretty much all i got to say about it, but I don't know about y'all. Nice. It was a banger of a match. Beautiful way. Uh, you should it's definitely worth to watch, Taji, if you feel like it. Banger of a match. It was him, Riddle, uh, Ciampa, and Ricochet. Best match I've seen on Raw in probably ever. It was a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a, it was fun. Fun to watch. Nice. Sounds cool. Uh, and then this is not really a Raw or, or SmackDown, but as we transition, I just want to shout out one person who's working hard in WWE, uh, Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green has lost <laughs> her, her tag team partner, her fellow tag team champion, due to an injury. Uh, and Chelsea, she ain't letting those titles go. She's basically went to Twitter and done this like online challenge. Like Anybody can submit an application to be her tag team partner. She's gotten submissions from R-Truth and all these crazy people <laughs> to be her partner. So just shout out Chelsea Green. Uh, but is there anybody that comes to you guys' mind that you would like to see partner with Chelsea Green? Uh, there's only two, and like I said, one one's hurt and one's pregnant. So Sonya Deville and Carmella are the only two, <laughs> <laughs> the only two for me that I really love with Chelsea Green that I can think of. So I, I wish Sonya a speedy recovery and to uh, Carmella a healthy pregnancy. I feel like uh, what's her name, Nikki Cross. I think that'd be mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah, just Nikki Cross in there, just to throw a wrench in there. Their dynamic would be very interesting. Yeah. So uh, I think that'd be interesting. Either well, that wanted... or maybe a returning Alexa Bliss. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Alexa. She also was her healthy pregnancy as well. Oh, <laughs> Everybody's either pregnant or hurt. No <laughs> in between. We... And then anybody before that we... touches the tag team belt is hurt as well. So, you know what, Chelsea, just just stay careful. Uh, but anyway, a couple of things from SmackDown as well. We had actually a, a huge title change on SmackDown. So what went down essentially was preparing for the Santos versus Theory match. Theory attacks Santos Escobar, basically hurts him, injures him, takes him out of the match, thinks he's got off scot-free. Rey Mysterio takes his place. Rey Mysterio defeats Austin Theory and becomes our new United States champion. So uh, first off, how are we feeling about the title change? Um, Honestly, if it wasn't Mysterio, I don't know. I don't know if I'd actually like it. I I, I, I don't know how I don't know how I feel about it because I don't know where they're going with Remisier being the champ. Uh, I'm I'm kind of happy Theory's reign is over. He needs something fresh. But besides both Mysterios having the title right now, I don't really know. Like, I just I don't know. I'm not mad about it, but I I'd be lying if I said I love it. Yeah, I'm glad you feel kind of hesitant towards it too. I I kind of feel hesitant as well. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like with one thing, whenever uh, Theory loses big, he tends to come out better on the other side. Like, he tends to, like, get a new direction or a new character or something. So I'm hoping for that. Uh, I just hope they do something with Theory, because I do like Theory. Also, I feel like uh, the only thing would be, like, a Dom and... Ray match at Survivor Series. Like, maybe they do a, a three-way with all the mid-card champions. I don't know. But besides that, I mean, it's cool. Ray's cool. Everything. Or maybe they get, like, a Santos-friendly rivalry or something. But, yeah, I just don't see, you know, where they go. So, yeah, um, I'm kind of bummed. Not bummed. I'm kind of bummed, but a little intrigued. Yeah, uh, I'm lukewarm on it as well. I, I wanted it – I would rather it have been Santos Escobar, but uh, I do think, like you just said, Taji, my hope for it, the reason I'm optimistic about it is maybe we get, like, Santos being jealous, and he turns, and then we get we get Ray to put Santos over, which would be more impactful than 
theory putting Santos Escobar over ultimately where they were with their feud, if you want to call it that. So I'm interested to see where they go. I don't think it needed to happen necessarily. I think it was kind of a lackluster way to end a very kind of lackluster title reign, especially for the last few months. But yeah, you never know. I will say, I only think about the Santos turn. I mean, I think it could be a cool heel. They debuted this heel, and I like their, I like their aesthetic when they debuted. As I think it's Legado de Fontana's my presented correctly. Um, LWO is selling right now, like merch wise, and I guess I mean, I mean, at some point everything has to end. But I don't know. I kind of like rooting for him. But if they turn heel, I still be a fan of Santos. And I want to be clear that I'm not. I don't want him to turn heel. I I think it would be a friendly rivalry because again, like you said. They just kind of came together. I don't think it's been a year yet, so I don't think they're gonna bring. I don't think they're gonna break them up at this point. Because um, if so, you're breaking up all your big groups around the same time. So I don't think that'd be smart, just a business standpoint. So if anything, I think it'd be a respectful match between them. But again, that's the thing. I, I just don't know where they're going with Rey Mysterio as the champion. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I see him as definitely. It seems like he's probably going to be a transitional champion, but I could be wrong. He could go on a big uh, on a big run. You ne- you never know. Uh, but also, either way, I, also I think we all wanted LA Knight to win the title, and I don't yeah. see LA Knight and Ray really not LA Knight the face and everything. And Ray's probably one of the like most baby faces of all time. Somebody else is going to gonna, gonna have to beat Ray before LA Knight probably gets that title or triple threat or something. It's probably going to be a while till he gets a, a mid-card title. I think that was the time. And if he's not in it now, it's probably going to be a minute. He might go straight to the world championship uh, contender. Yeah, uh, we'll see. He may, he may. I mean, if they really strap the rocket on him, he may skip over that mid-card feud and, and, and just go right to it after hopefully beating the Miz. We'll see. But uh, then let me, guys, let me ask you guys this. Final thing on theory. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate his – United States Championship reign. It's been long, but where would you actually rate it? I'll go five because before Mania, it was actually like pretty much like I, I was enjoying it, the Chamber and all that, and the Triple Threat and all that when he won it back at Survivor Series, I think, or Extreme Rules, one of those. Um, it was cooking, and then after Mania, it just became more bland than rice, or it became more bland than vegetables without seasoning. <laughs> I give it like a six, maybe six point five. Yeah, it started strong, and it may be a little biased because I actually really like theory. But, yeah, recently just kind of going the loops. I think one of the best things that came from it was deadly, pretty deadly, but they're pretty injured right now, so that kind of <laughs> hurt it too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a six. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm right around there. I, I feel like I'm more down on it just because – the end of it has been so bad, but you, you guys are right that there were some really solid moments in the first half of the run, so I'll go 5.5. Uh, but hopefully he goes away maybe for a little bit, repackages himself, and comes back better than ever. Uh, another thing, another lo- big loss, in my opinion, something that surprised me was AJ Styles once again beating yes. Karrion Cross clean as a whistle. Um I I really thought this was like a surefire carrying cross go over victory, but we did not see that. What do you guys think of this? This is my gripe. I texted you. This is my gripe. What are we doing? What are we doing? What was the point of the other match? It was like two seconds. What was the mo- point of keeping this going for him to destroy Carl Anderson? What was like? What was the point just to have him go three zero? Like like like. What are we doing here? What is Karen Cross supposed to do? How are we supposed to believe this man is an actual true heel villain type of guy that will do anything if he is losing? He's lost 80% of his matches since he came back. What are we doing? There was no reason to me to continue this for him to keep losing. This better be done. I don't, this better be done. I, 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 I like AJ Styles. Not saying he should lose every match either. I like Karen Cross, obviously. That's my problem with this whole feud. End it now. Just end it because it's irked me. He should have won this match. It should have been. I, I, I'm, I'm irked. This is my. This is a down. Like, ugh. I think it's kind of the opposite of Gunther and Drew. Whereas you have Gunther who's been winning and Drew who's been losing, but he just came back. You kind of have the opposite of Karen who's been losing, but he's been consistently on TV, and then AJ Styles who 
has been losing, but he just came back from injury. So I think it's like a they want to keep AJ strong, I guess. But I mean, it's AJ Styles, and if Karen Cross can't beat someone that he's physically bigger than, uh, if he can't beat AJ Styles, I mean, it's kind of tough, you know, building him back up to like who who does he face, you know? And I actually like Karen Cross. He uh, he grew on me, but I mean. Yeah, I don't really know what he does. Maybe it's not over, but I don't know. Yeah, he needs it's to. Not over. If anything, he needs to do a, a Shinsuke Nakamura and just attack somebody of good status. But on SmackDown, don't know who that is. Yeah, it, it's pretty tough. I mean, at this point, it's just a never-ending cycle with really cool like promos, like builds, uh, like getting at people, getting in their head, and then coming into a match, attempting to cheat with Scarlett, and losing every single time. He can't even succeed by cheating at this point or by interference, which is just, it, it's he's buried right now. He needs to disappear and repackage and shave his head or something, but he needs a refresh. He needs a complete and total reset because th- this pretty much buried him, I feel like. Ball carrying across to the different breed. Go, go get a haircut, man, and come back and be that menacing guy from NXT. That's what you got to do, because this this Miami Vice carrying across this. I don't know what you would call it with his hair and stuff. This ain't it, man. This ain't it. And he's working real hard. Like I feel like he is working hard to be scary and and menacing, and he is putting in the work, but he's just not winning matches. Yeah, it's rough. But that's 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 the sad story of Karen Cross right now. We'll see. He can probably turn it around, and then. Uh, let's let's chat bloodline a little bit. Let's get into bloodline because I gotta say I have mixed feelings about the segment this week. Uh, everybody comes out to the ring. Tribal Chief comes out first. Uh, acknowledge me. All the good stuff. Jimmy comes out. Jimmy basically tells Roman that what he did had nothing to do with Roman, and he's still not with him. He's still not with the Tribal Chief. Jay comes out and says, "You got to give me a reason. You got to tell me why you screwed me at SummerSlam." And Jimmy says, I didn't want you to become like Roman. I didn't want you to become the tribal chief. I wanted to protect you from what would happen if you won that championship and became the head of the table. And then Jay basically, in conclusion, lays every single one of them out. And he says he's out. He's out of the bloodline. He's out of the WWE. And he leaves the building just like that. So any thoughts about this pivotal bloodline segment? I actually loved it. I didn't – I feel like then as brothers – I wish he didn't kick him in the face because I, I wish we saved the, the first action like as in Jimmy at SummerSlam. I actually loved it. I liked the reasoning. Him like knowing his brother, probably knowing that he might have got like out of control with power. Like, I, I, and I also like Jay leaving because I, I didn't want to make that payback. I, this match – the Uso versus each other should be a, a mania match. It's what they want. It's what we want. It's worth it. I like him leaving. I hope he actually stays going for a little minute. Um, I, I actually like that. Like, this is kind of the reason I want it. I'm glad it's not joining. Uh, I'm glad Jimmy's not joining Roman back because I think it's too far gone. There's no point in him trying to join Roman back at this point. What I don't, I don't know if y'all noticed this. I think Paul Heyman's kind of been behind a lot of this, right? I feel like at SummerSlam, you see him behind Jimmy, like with with this with the evil face. I feel like in the segment, he's kind of behind. Like he just kind of. Still, he's the one pulling the strings, pulling these strings behind all of this like family turmoil, which I'll be interested to see how this goes as well. But I actually love the segment. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the segment. I have mixed feelings. Uh, I, I do like the 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 idea of Jimmy not um, joining Roman and wanting to protect Jay because I do think there's merit to his, you know, his um his reasoning. But I just thought the script was, like, pretty bad. And I feel like Jimmy's delivery was also pretty bad as well. Um, Or it wasn't as passionate as Jay. And for this, I feel like you do need a a bit more of that. I think he was – maybe he just wasn't confident. He was stumbling over his words. And I don't know. But it it didn't didn't have that same fire. But also, I I just feel like – Roman and Solo just keep getting whooped by Jay. And it's 
I get it's for the story. And I guess it's good that he's leaving, which is also kind of, I didn't see that coming. And I'm kind of mixed about it. But, like, I feel like Solo has dropped so far since this has started. And I feel like Roman is doing the exact opposite of what I thought he would do and really just be dominant. And now he's, I don't know, he's, it's like kind of rinse, repeat. Like, he just keeps getting punked by Jay Uso. Jay, yeah, Jay Uso. Um, yeah, I, I just want to see more dominance out of both of them. Because at this point, I mean, what does it matter if he spears him in the match if he keeps doing it on SmackDown? I feel like if you, especially since we don't get Roman as much, make him a force. Don't make it a thing where it's so... Don't make it as common for him to get his ass whooped as it's been. Because then when he does get his ass whooped, I'm not going to care as much because this happened so more so much um, since. But yeah, I'm just mixed. Mixed. Just mixed. I feel like it was bad script. Not performed well. Yeah. Can I ask y'all if y'all noticed this about Jimmy? It seemed like a lot of the times he would pull the mic down mid-sentence. And the stuff would like drift off, and you could barely catch what he was saying. Yeah, like, I noticed that. And too. that I had, I don't like that. And that's probably why his delivery was off because it's like he was barely talking into the mic some of the time. He's also just not as good as a promo as, as Jay has become. I mean, let's just be honest, Jay has definitely elevated his game. Um, but I, I noticed that. So. I gotta say, I maybe it's a hot take now. Um, like the main gripe that I had about the segment was straight up Jimmy's reasoning. I did not like Jimmy's reasoning. Um, I see. I understand it. I definitely do. But to me, I mean, it's, maybe it's just me because um, I, I hear what you're, what you're saying as well. Um, but it takes a lot of the like the power out of the moment at SummerSlam. Like, obviously, the Jimmy turning on Jay is this big momentous moment. And then you come out on SmackDown and you're like, oh, I'm not really turning on him. I just didn't want him the power to go to his head. I, it just didn't really do it for me. It, it didn't really... I wanted more out of it. I guess I guess I just wanted more out of the Jimmy and Jay feud, and I guess we're not getting it yet, so it's not – it didn't give me what I want, basically. just felt like we had this huge, crazy, shocking moment at SummerSlam, and then the explanation for it was just, eh, okay. They're, we haven't progressed as much as I thought we did. But um, I'm interested to see where it goes. I do like Jay leaving. I think that's an interesting ripple in the story, and I, I'm interested to see where that goes when he comes back, all that good stuff. Uh, so I'm mixed on it too. I guess I just wanted something different and I didn't get it, but you know, we've trusted them with the story for a couple of years now and they always, so just trust the process, I guess. Right. And before we move on, uh, another thing, I, and I think it might kind of go to your point too, with the, the moment from, at least for me, the reason why I think it's kind of disjointed is because, at SummerSlam, it didn't look like he was doing it to protect him. It looked like he was doing it out of spite. So when he says that, at least for me, when he says that, um, when he gives his reasoning and it's that he was trying to protect him, when he actually costs him the match, it doesn't look like he's regretting anything, if that makes sense. He doesn't seem sympathetic or hurt for his brother. It seems like he's joining the bloodline. So for me, that's why it seemed a bit disjointed. Yeah, um, and, and like, they, how, on, on that note, too, I completely agree. I think that's what makes it feel like like a shock value moment at SummerSlam without the substance that we thought it was going to be. Like, now it just feels like that moment at SummerSlam was for shock, and now they're backpedaling on it because they don't want to go that far that quickly. just feels like the story is, is, like you said, disjointed. It's the most kind of all over the place I feel like it has been. Kind of reminds me more of a lot of other storylines that we often get. Hopefully they can get back on track, I guess. How, how right. do y'all feel about him coming off as actually being manipulated? I can't say the word. It's actually him trying to manipulate his brother and the fact that like he's kind of like playing that card when really it was out of jealousy. Like, do y'all feel like that could be an angle in the future where he's saying this now, but like at least when I watch ups and downs, Thunder Miller was kind of pointing out that he thinks that J- uh, Jimmy is kind of being like Roman and like playing the manipulative card because that's his brother. You know what I'm saying? With that. Would that be think, interesting to y'all at all, or do you just that kind of just? Eh. That seems interesting. I don't think. I mean, but then again, that's the SummerSlam disjointed thing happened. But I don't think, at least with 
the the way it seems like they're telling it, it seems like he's actually being truthful there. He may not mean all, it may not be the full truth, but I don't think he's necessarily trying to manipulate him like Roman would. Because I think again, that's a little too close to Roman. Um, and at that point, he might as well just join the bloodline if he's going to do that. So I think there might be that jealousy there, but I don't think he he might not realize it in the moment. I don't know if that makes sense, but I don't I don't think Jay is or Jimmy. I don't think Jimmy is trying too hard to manipulate. But I mean. I could see it happening. The way it's been is so disjointed that, I mean, anything is kind of possible. So, Yeah, I agree. I don't see that yet, but if that happens, I'll be interested in it. But, yeah, you never know. Who knows? Uh, but that's the bloodline. Anything else from SmackDown specifically that you guys want to shout out? I know they set up Edge and Sheamus for next week and things like that, but anything that you guys want to uh, talk about right now? Uh, I just got, like, it's just two things for Besides two things, I do like the Agents Champion segment. Thought it was wholesome. Thought it was great. Um, the two things, one being, uh, this is just this is raw. It, it's both the tag team champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I've meant to bring this up for the last two weeks. If they're Kevin Owens is hurt, congrats, Sami Zayn may be hurt too. I feel like they should have to vacate them. That's what they did to the women's champs before. You know, usually when they get hurt, you got to vacate them all that. Vacate them because they're not doing anything with them. They're not really elevating them at all and like finally get some new tag champs because this just ain't it with Kevin Owens being hurt can't compete um and then I, I what's the second one crap uh well the second one is actually um I haven't watched it back fully but I have a problem with the tribal combat match because I think I know it's SummerSlam and it's like kind of been a week I actually think that uh what's the card them shit they got they shouldn't have interfered if it was gonna be an actual tribal combat match like when we first heard the idea, we thought of, like, at least for me, I thought of, like, Black Panther with, like, them fighting for that crown where nobody could interfere right. until the end or whatever. And that's, I feel like, really what it should have been. I know we got the kick. I know Solo got, you know. But I just feel like that would have been a lot better. And Roman, like you said, Taji, should have had a dominant victory. Like, he should have beaten the crap out of Jay at the end. I mean, like, he, he should have come off as, like, the king of overdose power. And instead... He didn't, and he still isn't this dominant king that we think he's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't have anything necessarily to add, but I agree with both of those takes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, like, Roman, for so long, he was, like, the guy. He was like Cena. So why don't you just make him Cena? I mean, he was getting booed for that anyway. Like, why do we – I get why you need that, or I get why you think you need that, but at this point, it's Roman Reigns. He doesn't need the bloodline. So just let him beat someone by himself. Yep. Uh, anything else from these two shows? Nope. All right. Well, that is our current events and wrestling news. So with that said, we are going to transition into our You Just Made the List. And this week, we decided to tackle top five wrestling submissions. Top five submissions across wrestling. Uh, it's a pretty interesting list to make. I found that I I made it pretty quickly. So I wonder if I overlook some stuff or something like that, but uh, who wants to kick it off with number five? Um, I can go first. Uh, this list is actually a little, a little hard for me, but it's just hard narrowing down some of them. Uh, number five for me is going to be the Dragon Sleeper. Um, mm. I just think it's one of those ones that actually, like, it look, it actually hurts. Uh, I think I don't want to try to describe it. I'd be horrible at it, but you can search it. Um, but uh, I think it's one of those that you actually put somebody in it and actually hurt. Um, and I just I just like it. It's not like the big time prime time submissions like a finisher, but it's it's pretty dope, and I like it. Yeah, uh, I like that one too. My number five is the PTO, the Page Tap Out by Page, <laughs> or well, she did it when she was Page. So um, I don't really know how to describe this either. You really just have to see it um, to believe it. Um, but it's very similar to the Black Widow or the Octopus. Octopus stretch where she kind of just has the person's body just mangled and it's totally in her control. It it looks it looks gnarly. Um so that's my number five. Okay, okay. I like those two picks. Didn't even really think that much about those. Uh my number five though is the Hell's Gate. Uh for me, it just goes along with all of Undertaker's incredible moveset. I think he has one of the best movesets in wrestling, except for old school. Uh, and he makes the Hell's Gate look great. <laughs> he makes the Hell's Gate look deadly. Makes it look like he's taking you out. Uh, whenever he locks it in, 
I feel like the match could end. So Hell's Gate for me is number five. Uh, number four for me, I will say the rest of this list. Um, technically, I was a I used to wrestle with, with friends all the time. I used to love performing these moves on people, <laughs> and this is why they have a special place in my heart. I consider myself a former backyard pro wrestler. Um, so number four for me is actually the sharpshooter, and I mean, for one, it's iconic with Bret Hart and uh, just the way he made it, and it's just one of those moves that actually, like I think Kobe mentioned it episodes ago, just actually hurts. Um, you know, uh, it actually just always looks good, usually. And I think it's one of those iconic moves, though, but yeah. So my number four is the Dragon Sleeper. But I have a preference. Um, I like it when um, the guy who's given the Dragon Sleeper is on his back on the ground, and the guy's right on top of him. So he's literally... And to describe the Dragon Sleeper, if you don't know what it is, it's similar to if you were to give someone a suplex, how you have their, how you have kind of have them in a headlock, but the opposite. So you kind of do an inverted headlock, kind of like a choke. Um, or no, that's not it. It's kind of like you were doing a, um, a reverse suplex, exactly. So yeah. kind of like you're doing a reverse suplex or a reverse DDT, except you just crank backwards. Um, and in this version, <laughs> you have like your legs you know, cooped around their, like, their torso. And it's, it's it's so gnarly, especially when they're on the back and they can't, they have less mobility to move. Yeah, it, it's gnarly. I don't think I've seen it too often, but, like, in the games, I usually use it. And, man, it's crazy. It's a mighty use if I was a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, my number four, <laughs> actually, funny enough, is the sharpshooter. Uh, and yeah, I did bring it up a few podcasts ago. Say the same thing you just said. It uh, it looks like it hurts. I mean, it's one of the few. Of course, it's iconic. It's Bret Hart. He was before our time and everything. But that move, still used all the time. It just looks painful. Like, I don't know if people are going to talk about the figure four later. But let me just say, the figure four never really looked like it did it for me. But the sharpshooter always looked like it did it. So the sharpshooter is my number four. Um. Back right quick on Utah, that's the exact vision I have for the Dragon Sleeper, by the way. I'm glad you're able to describe it because that's my favorite version as well. Yeah. Um, number three for me has already been mentioned, uh, but it's, it's Hell's Gate, man. And like I said, that move is just, it just, it looks good. The Undertaker had great presentation with it. I also enjoyed delivering that move. It was pretty easy to learn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Hell's Gate, man, I just, I like that submission. Jeez, that's crazy. <laughs> um, uh, my number three is the Black Widow. I just mentioned it a second ago, Black Widow by AJ Lee, who will one day get her flowers the way she should. But AJ Lee, dominant presence when I was really into wrestling. Um, and that move very similar to the PTO. Um, I'd say more so is really focused on just getting around your person, very spider like, where you. You almost have each limb in some sort of hold or touch or grip. And, yeah, it, it, it's, you really just have to see it to believe it. It's kind of hard to really describe. But um, I, I feel like that's definitely something that would legitimately hurt someone um, and make someone tap out. And they have such control over even your arms that even tapping out is hard to physically do. So they have you pretty much under their total control, which I think is pretty nuts for a move. I love it. I didn't even think about that one. I got to go back and look at it. Uh, but my number three is an iconic finisher. I mean, yeah, iconic finisher submission is the Walls of Jericho. Uh, I mean, it's the Walls of Jericho. It's probably when it comes to, like, looking at it from, like, the mind of a kid, it was, like, my favorite submission so iconic it's great i assume it might be talked about again uh so that's all i'm gonna say about the walls of jericho well my good friend if you would have bet your house you would have won <laughs> a whole bunch of money because it is my number two also one of my favorite moves to do because it actually doesn't hurt i hate being put in that submission um when it's done correctly and i like to put the lion tamer with it i just i just want to say that and lion tamer just give them both their credit i don't you know i'm not gonna have two different spots for them this time um but yeah i just i mean i loved it i love jericho as we mentioned earlier my favorite wrestlers so I love the Lion Tamer Walls of Jericho. 
sometimes on TV it doesn't like it hurts, but when you put somebody in it in real life, I promise you, if they do it correctly, it will hurt. So. And I'll just say real quick, I meant to mention this while we were ta- when I was talking about it. The only reason it's probably not number one for me is because I feel like nowadays it's lost a lot of its power. I feel like he yeah. never finishes matches with Paul Jericho now. But anyway, that's all I got to say about it. Okay. Uh, my number two is the Coquina Clutch. Uh, typically, it's used by Shayna Baszler, who is a beast, one of my favorites, but also by the legend Samoa Joe, who is one of the greats of all time. It's a very – and I, I found through this list, I'm very prone to, like, a submission where – they have a lot of control over your body, whether they have you grounded or they have multiple limbs. For this one, it's so simple. It's pretty similar to a sleeper's sleeper's hold, Um, like a regular choke. But they just have you down on the ground, legs around you. And, yeah, it's just dominant. Like, it's – I feel like it's so simple. Kind of like a, a Walls of Jericho. But it's so believable that I'm like, well, like if anyone got in there, they could be out. So yeah, it's it's, it's pure believable. Uh, uh, my number two is going to be the ankle lock from Kurt Angle. Uh, for me, this was almost number one, but when I thought about it, it's mainly just because of my love for Kurt Angle. But so many iconic, like I think about that Shawn Michaels Kurt Angle match where he made him tap with the ankle lock. Uh, nobody does it quite like Kurt when he locks it in. It's just iconic. Goes with Kurt Angle, who's one of the most iconic wrestlers of all time. Ankle lock is my number two. Uh, that definitely that's one of my humble mentions. Um, shout out to that move. But number one for me, I don't think they ever may make y'all this, but I just I, I just like it. Like, and it's the crossface. Whether it's mm-hmm. he shall not be named. Whether it's Daniel <laughs> Bryan's yes lock. When it's done correctly, man. That um, whether it's Sasha Banks Banks and especially crossface. When it's done correctly, I mean, you think they're about to rip their neck off. I mean, the I mean, I know sometimes on WWE they're not they're gonna not this is this is wrestling is entertainment. It's not like UFC and all that. But man, that move like I just really really like it. Obviously, like I said, backyard wrestler, I obviously uh, delivered it as well. But man, like that move is just up there. For me. I just really like everything about it. Yeah, my number one, um, I guarantee no one's going to have. It. Maybe y'all don't even know what this is, but it's the, the highs of pain. Um, I do not. Okay, so yeah, so those of you who are not familiar, it's kind of the love child between AJ Styles' uh, calf crusher and the lion tamer in the sense mm. that uh, take AJ Styles' calf crusher and then uh, extend it to where you're person they're giving it on is basically like on their upper chest to neck area and like yeah it's 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 so gnarly like their body is so contorted in a way and it's focused on the legs and back that literally every anytime I see it in the game I have it on my guy uh when I did see it a few times in the matches I've seen it looked brutal it it is definitely one of the most brutal submissions I've ever seen like ever before um, and yeah, I don't think any, anyone can really top it. So by uh, Charlie Haas, the Haas of pain. Okay. All right. My number one is another submission that I would also describe as brutal. And I'll say that this submission started low on my list, but every time I thought about it, I just think it's like one of the most effective. It's simple, but it's super cool. And it looks like it freaking hurts is Brock Lesnar's Kimura lock mm. for me. That moment when Brock Lesnar has it locked in and then he snaps it in. You know what I'm talking about? Snaps it back. In that moment, I would believe that that arm was broken. Uh, So, I don't know. Just something about it. It's simple. But being delivered by Brock Lesnar, who's obviously so strong and so powerful, it just looks like it absolutely kills your arm. So, Kimura Lock made it to my number one. That was on my honorable mentions, and I have PTSD from when he first did as a Triple H. As a Triple H fan, (laughs) I hated Brock when he done that. Um, the only honorable mention I have that wasn't mentioned, I want to shout out, is the master lock. I did like, I did enjoy uh, the master lock back in the day. Um, it definitely hurts if you've ever been put in it by the right right person I'm trying to get out of that. They're really strong, like Chris Masters or Bobby Lashley. Um, yeah, I like the master lock. Okay, I don't think I have any honorable mentions that have not been talked about already. I have one that hasn't been talked about. Um, 
And then the lion tamer, that was one. I just have to talk about the lion tamer. It's crazy. He has the knee on the back of your neck. He has your body. It's it's so vicious. It barely missed it out, but it missed out. And then the guillotine. Yeah. Um, it was always great, but when Roman was doing it, and that's make Roman great again, man. Like Roman during COVID era was like before like the bloodline was really getting a lot of steam. Roman was like really just killing people with that. Um but yeah, the guillotine is just a crazy move. It's vicious, simple, um, and anybody can do it to anybody. You can pop that on any guy and it would work as long as you can get up to the neck. Um, so, yeah, that's my honorable mention. I love it. These were some great lists, in my opinion. I have some new submissions to go look up and, and look at, too. So, uh, well done. That's You just made the list. And now we transition into our main event of the evening, our 1v1 debate in which we see the champion, C. Wilt, taking on the challenger, T-Boat, in what? Uh, in what should be another classic, classic debate for those who are uninitiated, for those that do not know, uh, I will, as the special guest referee, lay out an argument, a debate topic. Caleb, as the champion, will choose which side he wants. T-Boat will choose whether he would like to go first or second. Uh, each man will get 90 seconds to lay out their initial argument. Then they'll get three minutes to rebuke uh, and respond to each other. And then they'll have another minute for closing statements. And then a winner will be crowned. Gentlemen, are you ready for your topic? Yes. You do. Okay. I'm going to give you two guys. Only one of these men can receive one more world championship reign. One of these men gets one more run at the top of the company. Should it be Dolph Ziggler or should it be The Miz? Oh, man. You got us a good one here. And I'm, oh my God, I'm going to have to take, I'm going to have to take the Miz, actually, surprisingly, on this. Wow. Okay. And you said that a big topic is one of these men get a run. What was the last part? One of these men will get one more world championship reign. Mm. One more run as the world champion. The other stays wherever they are now. All right. So we just pitch it like the best pitch for the why they should get it right. However you want to approach it, what would they do? That why are they why are they more deserving than the other person? Okay, okay, okay. Why do they deserve it more? Why do they deserve it? What would they do with it? However you want to approach it. Yeah, I got the Miz. Okay, Caleb takes the Miz. Taji, would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Um, I'll go first. Okay. The challenger takes the first seat as he will be defending Dolph Ziggler's camp. Well, whenever you get your uh, timer set up and whenever you are ready, you can let it rip. That's a good point. One second. All right. I got my time ready and I will go. All right. So Dolph Ziggler is um you know one of the one of the most um championed guys by a lot of people in WWE um one who hasn't really got his due in a while um never really got his ray in the sun he had that big moment when he won the money in the bank championship but he lost it due to injury i think um when it comes to people who are literally a champion or who were once champion and could prove they could still go at a very high level um, you can't look past Dolph Ziggler. Um, if you recall, um, not at this point now, but Dolph Ziggler, he was um, one of the people who you would bring in to make sure these new guys can hang or if they can hang the WWE style. For the champion or for WWE to give a trust in this guy, I don't think um, should be looked down upon or looked over. Um, he was NXT champion. He's been world champion. And he proves that he still has that, not only on the mic, but in his physical body of work that he can do. Um, he's a good talker, good wrestler, um, good personality to have. And I think someone who could embody that fire, that um, an, uh, one, an overcomer, a comeback kid, and uh, a grizzled veteran, kind of like a Kofi Kingston, 
who never really thought it would get us to do again, um, I think that would be a very strong point to have him get a world championship run. Okay, very nice. Very uh, great opening statement. C. Wilk, are you ready for yours? I am ready. I will set the timer now. When you think about the Miz's long, almost 20-year career, you think about a man who started as a person who was hosting these competitions between these women and all this stuff that Mike Mazzani was kicked out the locker room to become a two-time Grand Slam champion, the A-lister, you know what I'm saying? His own type of megastar. It's the rags-to-riches story, and we watched it before our very eyes, but there's only one flaw, in my opinion, in his career, and it is his world title reign. Yes, he's had two of them, but neither one of them have, one of them have been well-respected. They've both been transitional and second to whether it was The Rock and Cena or it was Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre to a, this, this, this guy right here, this, this A-list, this actual Grand Slam champion, this workhorse, this man who is great at everything he does, deserves one last run to prove why he's actually a great workhorse Work, work, work. He's a great world champion, and he can be if he gets one last run. Okay, very good. <laughs> a workhorse debate side from you. Okay, uh, Taji, you're gonna have three minutes to respond uh, whenever you're ready. All right. Um. Yeah, I will go now. So yeah, so you got Dolph Ziggler, right? Um. Not only is he one of the few guys, like I said, he could still go, but um, WWE has proven that um, if you are someone who they trust um, long term, um, not only, you know, just by your presence, uh, by your ability to sell a story, which he can do, but by your ability to sell it, not only with your words, but your body, um, that's something that they really value. When I think of the comeback kids, like the most infamous ones, like, or the most famous ones, like Daniel Bryan, like Kofi Kingston. Who else? Uh, maybe in a, a similar sense, uh, CM Punk, um, before, I guess, before the pipe bomb when he was getting there. All of them have in common that they're good workers. People have been in the company for a while who never really got their due or got their due, and it was kind of cut under them, um, and had genuine uh, fan support. Obviously, he's not on TV right now, but I think that builds even a stronger case for it. For someone who isn't currently on TV, someone who can build that story back and get that presence back, I think would be a good way to give him that story. Right now, Miz is currently in a feud with um, LA Knight. Not saying that we have to do it right now, but Miz is currently um, suffering from a bit overexposure. We see him all the time. Um, There's a lot of speciality, if that's a word, or a lot of... um, genuine support that comes from surprise returns or just people a a familiar face that we haven't seen in a while i don't know about you but a lot of people who are in our age has fond feelings of Dolph ziggler and to see him get more um not uh i'll say gradually build some momentum and get some bigger wins or maybe even um get some strong losses for things that project him to higher stances i think that tells a much stronger story from someone who isn't on tv as opposed to someone that we are currently uh, used to seeing um, in these spots. Um, And they are good spots where Miz is. Um, But to get a fresh take, a fresh palette, um, where you don't have to compare him to what he did a couple months ago to uh, what he's doing now, um, I think that will help build his uh, world championship uh, potential and his run. Um, I think once he is given that run, I think it will be well-received. You'll have him in a position now but there's a lot of young guys and even some older guys who need that experience like um, L.A. Knight, like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, even people like Seth Rollins, who people we have these dream matches or these dream match potentials with that they can um, actually do something with a champion like Dolph Ziggler, who's proven to make himself look good as well as everybody else. So I think you really can't go wrong with Dolph Ziggler in your corner to get the comeback kid from zero to 100. Um, at a good spot, and that's my time. Okay, okay, a very good follow up. See, Wilk, are you ready for your three minutes in response? Uh, yes, sir. Let's get it. One thing about the Miz is he's earned it. We talk about trust. The guy went from nobody caring about him, nobody thinking he would make it, to proving everyone wrong. And in his own way, is the underdog. 
He's always the ultimate underdog who had not even the fans on his side, but overcame it all to have the life of his own version of the megastar. I mean, you got to think about this guy went from someone nobody thought would be anything. 20 years later, he just he just hosted WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? He's held every title in the in the books twice. You know what I'm saying? There's some people who don't even hold world, world championships once, who don't even make it to a WrestleMania. The Miz has been one of those guys who actually shows up every week because you can count on him. One thing that we like about this new title with Seth Rollins being champion is a champion that shows up every week. You don't get that from Roman anymore. I like a guy who I can count on to show up every single week. A guy who's usually never really injured and able to, I can rely on him as my workhorse, world champion. <laughs> Another great thing about the Miz is I think he does good with whatever you give him. Whether it's his LA Knight feud, whether it was the Dexter Luma stuff that was actually interested and entertaining, whether it's him with Logan Paul when he brought him in, him and the Mysterios. I mean, you can go back in time, and every year when you see the Miz or something, it's always at least interesting if it's putting somebody over. Or this is his own moment. I mean, he's put over Dolph Ziggler, one of the best IC feuds of all time. The Miz is always able to give you something good no matter what you put him in. He's always very reliable. He's always so showed you that he can go with his mic work with the best of the best or even trying to help put over somebody who's not on his level. He's consistently getting the ring. We're not, we're, you don't have to be flippy dippy doo da. You know what I'm saying? But he's consistently getting the ring. He's going to make sure he protects your other wrestler. He's a safe worker. And he likes to also evolve his game a little bit. I think the Miz has all the tools still left and has proven that he's well deserving of one more actual world title run that could be on the levels of his mid-card runs and tag team runs. And that's why the WWE should trust him, give him a respected run, but he's not second fiddle to the Rock and Cena, or he's not second fiddle or transitional champion from Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, but an actual true world heavyweight or WWE champion, The Miz, the one who is awesome. That is my, my, my pick. All right. A very good three minutes by you as well. And Taji will now have his closing statements, his 60 seconds, whenever you are ready. All right. Let me put it on mine. Okay. I will go. So a lot of your argument, which I do like your argument, but a lot of your argument is about the pitfalls that he went through, you know, in the beginning, right? That was like 15 years ago. Dolph Ziggler is consistently kind of going through ups and downs, uh, whether it's throughout creative. Um, But yeah, Dolph Ziggler has shown consistently he gets ups and he gets down. Like you said, to your point, The Miz is consistently on TV, but I think um, giving with, even like someone as recent as Roman Reigns, uh, when he came back from injury, um, that return really gives you a whole bunch of momentum as opposed to having to kind of boost you from where you are to get where you are, if that makes sense. The mo- the return kind of puts you at a spot where you're already rolling. Um, I think the fans will see him as a, a real good contender with their fresh eyes. And yeah, I mean, Dolph Ziggler's proven that he's a good asset and he will prove some more. Okay, a good little wrap-up right there. And see, Wilk, your response whenever you are ready. All right, here we go. You know, I also like your argument. I like Dolph Ziggler. But the one thing about The Miz that I like a little more and I know is well-trusted is this a, is a guy who not only has been in movies, he's done these press runs. And the world champions nine days, you got to go on a good, a good morning show. You got to go on first take. You got to go do these things that I haven't seen Dolph Ziggler do. I don't know how he handles these pressing interviews and, and being the type of, type of uh, face of the company type of guy. That's something that we know The Miz can do on his own before he was even – a face of the guy company. He, he's done these movies. He's done these press runs. He has his own TV show with his family and his wife. This guy loves the camera and the camera loves him. So if I'm going to give somebody one last world title run in today's WWE, it's going to be a guy I can trust to do it all from outside of WWE to inside the ring to behind the scenes to on the mic to with the talent, you name it. He's done it. He's going to do it. And that's why he is awesome and deserves one last title run. That's my time. Wow. Two very, very strong arguments. I, like usual with you two's debates, went back and forth and back and forth. And this person had me and then this person had me. And it was very hard to come to a decision. It happened, I think, in the last minutes of both of your times where I finally fell on the person that I think won. But once again, 
great job to both competitors. But I think that right now we are witnessing the longest reign in mid-card history. I think C. Wilk has retained the title once again. Uh, appreciate it. I'm happy to continue this reign. I'm trying to – I'm not going to try to touch Roman Reigns' reign. I didn't, but I'm Please trying don't. to I'm trying to build I'm trying to build some goofy stuff. Here. I'm trying to give y'all a long, great competitive reign with great debates, and I feel like every debate I've been in on this title reign has been a great one. So, thank you, T. But that was a great debate, and I love Dom Xavier. I was actually pretty torn on you. Yeah, like congrats, you. congrats. Well, next week it won't be the same for you, Caleb. It won't be <laughs> the same because that title is coming off your waist and onto mine. We'll see. Well, I guess that's the show. That's the Mid-Carters for this week. Another great week of wrestling. Another great week of conversation. I am one of your co-hosts, C-Blue. I am still your champ, C-Wilk. T-Boat, out. Well, thank you.